And as far as like that, that one article, uh, when they talked about when people get together to organize, they're generally, they said, usually not organizing along the lines of being working class, which I thought was sort of not true. Because if even if they're organizing along other lines, they're like organizing against police brutality. The police are not walking into rich neighborhoods and killing people in rich neighborhoods. Uh, there's much a, a much better chance they would kill a black person in a rich neighborhood than they would kill a white person in the rich neighborhood. The cops are in the poor neighborhoods. The cops aren't in the rich neighborhoods. They're killing people in the poor neighborhoods, right? So it is a, a situation where people are brought together by the fact that they're working class. That's how the white white kids and black kids get together in the street. So I think that was an us, unnecessary uh, like line to draw. Um, and I don't necessarily think that it's true. There is, you know, the, the point was made that uh, a lot of, the point should have been made that a lot of things that people organize around that aren't seen as working class issues are actually working class issues. And that people can draw those distinctions. Like when you're out in the streets organizing for this or that, you can draw the distinctions. You can underscore that this is a working class issue and not just, I'm not saying it's not a race issue. It's not an issue of gender. It's not an issue of sexuality. It's not just an issue of race, gender, or sexuality. It is, of course, a working class issue as well, because it is disproportionately people of the working class that are negatively affected by all oppressions. I was just thinking about, or just at the end of what you were just saying, reminded me of this idea that I think is like communize, a communizer idea or just like very insurrectionary, just that it is in those moments of struggle in which we break free from the individualism and we see ourselves as a collective force, like in uprisings against the police and that people, that moments of, of, I mean, the glimpse of communism is, is in our collective capacity to fight back and struggle for us, for ourselves and each other. Um, I don't know if they're articulating that in the party as an articulator, but there's some parts in it that kind of harken back to that, which I think is, an aspect of non, maybe non-bourgeois pleasure or attempts to get towards a non, a pleasurable state that's non-bourgeois. Um, if bourgeois is like, I get individual pleasure on my own and I don't assert a collective, or if collective pleasure is the countervailing tendency to bourgeois pleasure. Um, I also was thinking about counter the counterculture and like why personally I feel used to really believe in the counterculture and why why I was so drawn to the situationists as a young like punk rock person or just like a weird avant-garde person and what the counterculture has to show us about attempts to find non-bourgeois pleasure and I'm not sure like lifestyleism does have something in it that I know this is kind of off topic but I feel like it's related to the party question I think that the party has to prefigure communist pleasure within it as we create it. I think that's what the SPD was doing when they had work, when they used to have had like cool freaking workers hangout time or like playing games or anything like that. Or, and that's what the, the um, I think the power in party building is in the non-political, is in the social, the socializing that is collective and pleasurable. And I think there's something there and I'm just not exactly sure what it is. I. I was imagining free time communism today when I was looking at uh, someone like knitted a random art project on a signpost. And I was like, 
is this what people would be doing if they had time to just like make art on the streets and property relations didn't exist? And is that something that is non-bourgeois? These are my questions. I know there's no answer. Um, so I was actually glad that you guys um, started talking about some of the cultural elements because, you know, we had talked about organization versus spontaneity, but then how do we capture um, part of the cultural um, and I just wanted to read a quick quote here um, from Christopher Lash, and maybe you guys have some thoughts on it, um, about this kind of, um, as, as Rory just mentioned, between lifestyle and um, politics. Uh, Those attitudes that have led so many radicals to confuse the search for personal authenticity with the search for cultural alternatives to capitalism and to divine, define personal liberation moreover as freedom from work discipline and from authority in general. The trouble with this definition of cultural revolution is that it tends to divert attention from work to leisure, thereby reinforcing one of the strongest and most dangerous tendencies of advanced capitalist society. The attempt to compensate for the meaninglessness of work by holding out the possibility of spiritual fulfillment through consumption. So I thought that was a nice kind of summary about you know, if we're going to be the, like, if we're going to go by this party articulator and try to bring in different sectors of um, people to this goal of communism or whatever, um, we, we need to, from a cultural perspective, understand that, you know, there's going to be this tendency to use leisure as, as a, as a solution when really we want to also create like a work, have workers control, have work be a satisfactory, meaningful part of our existence rather than just relying on like, I go to work so I can get as much leisure time as possible to give my sense some self of fulfillment, right? And this kind of brings me, I think later in the book, uh, World of Nations by Christopher Lash, he talks about some of the um, the split between this like political and this cultural um, and how like in the uh, black movement, the black parody Panther, you know, went with this Marxist Leninist route, as I understand, and people can correct me on that. And like the more cultural component of the uh, black movement kind of split off and diverged and what what maybe could have been done differently to kind of bring those two things into a cohesive whole. Um, or for example, the student rebellions, which ended up focusing more and more on like cultural, uh, um, a cultural standpoint, rather than um, bringing it back into the the workplace, which granted students, so it's a bit more challenging since they're not, you know, in, in, in the workplace yet. But how could have things moved in that direction rather than diverging solely into this like creative use of leisure and staying only in that limited environment? Sam. Um, okay. Uh, I want to bring back uh, something that Jason said a while ago. That was sort of like a, a, a thing that I think about on the daily, which I've, I've been thinking about on the daily recently, which Jason, I think if I heard you correctly, uh, you, in that essay, the situationists describe themselves as as like an internal exclusion, like something that was part of the internal movement while standing outside of it. 
in that they like that that sort of contradictory nature of them was that they were this internal exclusion and i think this this notion of an internal exclusion i think is is sort of what is at the heart of of the party and i think well well people were talking i i got so uh to complicate things even more uh i will uh this is uh an essay by a jacqueline miller who is uh, sort of the uh, i guess seen as like a, a major sort of scholar in lacanian psychoanalysis but he has this essay he wrote on irony which um goes uh um there's there's just like one part i want to read from it but uh um he says in what i call the universal clinic of delirium the schizophrenic occupies a place one could call that of an internal exclusion in fact if the schizophrenic is the subject for whom all the symbolic is real it is on the basis of his or her subjective position that the symbolic can appear for other subjects as only a semblance. the circle of the four discourses as distinguished and formalized by lacan is indeed made to show that there is no discourse which is not of the semblance. And this circle itself can only be conceived on the basis of the subject outside discourse. Um, irony, on the contrary, does not come from the other. It is from the subject, and it goes against the other. What does irony say? It says that the other does not exist, that the social link in its very foundation is a fraud, that there is no discourse which is not a false pretense assemblant. Uh, yeah, and so that, I think, sort of um, that idea of an internal exclusion I think sort of and and you know irony is important in this in this case because you know like Hegel uh, I think I've mentioned before uh that Hegel called dialectics the universal irony of the world that uh um but I think sort of that idea of an internal exclusion something that sits outside of society by seeing um the the fraudulency of of the of the sort of social order the sort of social narrative while while remaining inside of those those that that sort of social narrative is sort of that I, that irony is sort of pivotal to the party in that it's sort of like almost like a party like a, a sort of like i i guess like alpha bung of of the party um in in the sense of like the the hegelian sense of like negating something while preserving it uh that that that, that sort of goes goes into it. i guess sort of like a thing a thing that um that adam and i uh, are trying to do with uh, on the red desert is and i've I've mentioned this before sort of to just to use like an easy analogy and I've, i'll I'll try to make this the last uh christian analogy i make but uh, um is that sort of bourgeois ideology maintains that christian narrative of like we were in paradise and then fell from paradise and then the goal is to get back to paradise but in in the Hegelian sense, Hegel would say, no, we start off fallen, and then we retroactively construct paradise as a fantasy to deal with our own fallenness. And I think an emancipatory, sort of the goal of a party in its in its emancipatory politics would be to uh, sort of reveal that to to sort of to you know to to a society that sort of this idea of striving to return to a paradise is merely a a fantasy, and that sort of. Uh, but not in the sense of like just realize the reality that you like are just live in the fall because I think that's I mean that's like that's a, a, a traumatizing thing in a in a psychoanalytic sense that would be like sort of coming into contact with the real. But what if there was a way to sort of in the sense of that irony that internal exclusion of have like you know in in psychoanalysis uh, fantasy is 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 always an image it's it's an it's in the located in the imaginary. 
but uh, and I've said this on the Red Desert, but to craft an image of the fall instead of an image of paradise and and sort of have that be that that sort of like you know that that irony that uh, of that that sort of at the heart of the of the party the sort of the thing that i that i sort of worry about with that is that people don't really want to hear that i guess it's like it's like sort of what what chris brought up about the idea of like communism is, is sort of in i guess sh- shouldn't be to just a thing that will just satisfy bourgeois desire but to reveal the sort of fallacy of bourgeois desire. But it's like people, I guess, I mean, people don't really want to hear that, I guess. 